it, it all depends on God. He, he will have his elect. And so the church needs to be prepared to care for the elect in the way that we've been called to care for them. Right? Ecclesiology and your children. According to a recent Lifeway poll, 66% of Christian youth stop attending church regularly, that's twice a month or more, after the age of 18. This is a dismal number and should concern Christian parents across America. Christians are losing their young people to secularism at a higher rate than Americans lost soldiers on Omaha Beach during D-Day. That was 44%. And we're experiencing 66% loss of our Christian youth. Might I suggest that this discouraging trend is at least in part to Christian parents neglecting to get our children engaged in church. Perhaps they've been involved in Sunday school, youth groups, and various church programs. Maybe they've attended every event offered on Sunday and Wednesday evening. But have they engaged with the church? I'm talking about the way that the Bible depicts church engagement. Specifically, have they been encouraged to become members of the church they attend? Now, certainly, there are things that need to be considered. The children we're speaking of must first be professing Christians, obviously. I would even add that they should be professing Christians old enough to display mature fruit of the faith. Our churches, however, are filled with teenagers who meet this description and yet are not instructed in the next steps of church membership. They've been instructed in morality, but not ecclesiology. Many times, if a church has some semblance of a membership, children are either included with their parents into membership or excluded altogether. The ecclesiastical instruction never occurs even after they have made a profession of faith accompanied by spiritual fruit. Let me be clear. This isn't a call for a truncated membership process. In fact, I believe that most churches should consider a more rigorous membership process. This is an encouragement for pastors and parents to be teaching these children about the meaning and importance of church membership. Let them know that God has provided the local church as a means of sanctifying grace in the Christian life. Some parents are willing to explain to their children the ins and outs of baptism and communion, yet there cannot be proper instruction in these ordinances without the discussion of church membership. Indeed, there are certain young children who need to mature and grow in the faith before the fruit of repentance can be seen. In these cases, let baptism, communion, and church membership wait. But when it is time for one, it is time for all three. If the young person is going to be baptized, let them be baptized into the body by joining the local church through membership, as is implied by 1 Corinthians 12.13. And if they're going to partake in communion, having been baptized, let them likewise be members of the church. For communion is to be taken when you come together as a church, as we see in 1 Corinthians eleven eighteen. These are all inseparable from one another in practice. And when one is divorced from the other, the symbolism they provide is broken. 
If a parent is confident that their child is a believer, then we should encourage them to seek membership in the local church. A Christian finds their greatest good in the commands of God. This includes our children as well. We show that we trust the Lord when we allow our children to follow him in obedience. And one sign that our children are true believers is that they will desire to be part of the local church. Right? If we have instructed them correctly in what the word says, they should desire that. They will desire to commit to sitting under the word preached. They will desire the mutual edification found when living life with other believers. They will desire to partake in the ordinances with other committed brothers and sisters in the faith. They will desire to submit to the godly oversight of church leaders who will then give account to the Lord for their soul. And when they leave home, they understand the importance then of the local church and of local church membership. And Lord willing, they will desire to find a faithful local church to join Stephen, thank you for giving us our exhortation this week. I loved what you had to say there at the end, speaking of our children, their desire to be part of the local church, their desire to commit to sitting under the word preached. That excites me. Their will, their desire to mutually edify each other. All, all these desires excited me quite a bit. So yes, name into that. I took a couple of notes that I thought I'd open with and maybe get the ball rolling. And then hopefully we'll fall into a nice free-flowing rhythm for the remainder. You touched ever so briefly on the youth group travesty. The Sunday school youth group subculture of most churches that looks like Dr. Moreau got a hold of a David Copperfield Vegas show and a Billy Graham crusade and sprinkled in some free pizza, sodas, mildly creepy youth leaders that dress 10 years younger than they should and inappropriate but not too inappropriate movies and created a frightening mutation that somehow passed for Sunday morning and Wednesday night entertainment or distraction while the adults sang songs and talked. At least that was my experience with church, with youth group growing up. So thank you for shining a bit of light into that dark and forgotten corner of a large percentage of evangelical churches. Maybe we can take a deeper look into that in a future episode. Although I don't know if I'd be able to do so without completely torching that whole culture. <laughs> but anyways, yes, thank you. And I agree wholeheartedly. I'll actually raise you one and say that those environments and alternate youth group programs like Impact, Chaos, Crazy, and Otherwise Saved, I kid you not, Young Life and UFC, Ultimate Faith Challenge, however well-intentioned that they might be, did little more than give frail kids false assurance and courage to be who they were around a bunch of other frail kids doing the same thing. It's no wonder why these kids floundered for half a second once they got out on their own and then left the church behind. So yeah, I'd love to get into that sometime. Second, my first thought when you suggested that children become members was, oh wait, She's not ready for that. Thinking of my daughter, who is 14, a believer, baptized, and partakes in communion. And here is why I think this group and what we're doing here is so special and important, because it demands that we take a look at these things. If she is a professing believer and partakes in communion and is baptized, then why isn't she ready to become a member? I realized that it was simple. She is not ready to stand on her own. At least that's what I thought. Why do I think that? I really had to wrestle with this. 
If she isn't ready to stand on her own before the church body, how in the world is she ready to stand alone before Almighty God? I know that she stands before God in Christ. Right. So she is righteous and she is she is redeemed. So I have no I have no concern, I have no problem, no qualm with that. I understand that and I believe that. At her age and and her maturity uh, as far as her faith, she can stand before God because God understands where she's at. Whereas standing before the church requires not only maturity but experience. And that's why society has an age limit on voting, age limit on drinking, age limit on driving, because they expect a maturity to be mm -hmm. able to function. Maybe that is the same way with church membership. Okay, it's not her standing before God, it's her standing before the institution of the church mm -hmm. that has requirements, has obligations, right. you know, mature. And so I kind of And that may go into what you said in your introduction. And I quote, there are certainly young children who need to mature and grow in the faith before the fruit of repentance can be seen. In these cases, let baptism, communion, and church membership wait. Now, are you suggesting that church membership be a requirement of communion and baptism, or baptism a requirement of church membership, or any other combination thereof? Or are spiritual fruits and the spirit of repentance really more the requisite here? And to kind of tie that part up, are you suggesting that the children in this church who have come to faith, been baptized, and partake in communion, seek church membership or stop partaking in communion until they do? So those are some of the questions I want to touch on. Again, I am 100% on board with you on your sentiment towards church membership and the more rigorous membership process. I would like it if you could offer a quick explanation of what church membership is and what that process should look like. Yeah, so um, when you talk about maturity, you have to talk about spiritual maturity versus physical maturity. The church is an entity that's been created in order to foster the growth of Christians into maturity. You're going to have to have members who are at the very initial level of Christian thinking and theology. I mean, they're going to come in with little more than a gospel understanding. And the church is there to foster growth and edification of those people. No matter how old they are, if they are believers, they have the Holy Spirit. And if that Holy Spirit is working in them, then they will be growing in maturity. That's the promise of Scripture. So if your child can confess clearly, articulate the gospel, then they have met the requirements for church membership. Now, everything that I've said thus far has been based on the idea, the concept, that a church is faithfully practicing some form of church membership, right? This, none of this works if there is no church membership process. If it's a sign a card and you're in, then this isn't going to work. My reasoning is built upon the understanding that the church membership process involves some sort of conversation about the gospel, about their understanding of core theological doctrines, right? There's some sort of conversation that happens before the individual becomes a member. That is the stage where I think we will find uh, whether or not they are mature enough to be a member. Now, we're not going to shut them down and say, no you, no, you fail at membership. No, we're going to say, here's some things to study. Let's, let's meet again in six months or, or a year or whatever. But the church should be equipped to discern whether or not they are mature enough to be a member of the church. 
my suggestion here is that we teach our kids about church membership and encourage them, if they are believers, to pursue that logical next step that is presented in the scriptures, which is to be a part of the local church. Yeah. Because the local church is going to be a means to your maturity, a means to your edification, right? Amen. So which comes first in the in the process of church membership, yeah. communion, baptism? Right. So here, here, here's the picture that's laid out for us in Scripture. And I'll read for you a couple texts. So as we know, as Baptists, uh, what we're dealing with in the ordinances are signs of things. Correct. Baptism doesn't save you. The Lord's Supper doesn't uh, impart to you grace, right? It, it's not what keeps you. Those are both works of the Lord. So, we have instead our pictures of what's happening spiritually. So, baptism is depicting your conversion in Christ, right? You're, you die with Christ and you're raised in the newness of life. 1 Corinthians twelve thirteen says, for we were all baptized by one spirit as to form one body. Alright, so the question here is, in your baptism, were you added to the kingdom of God? No, that happened at conversion, right? That happened when God changed your heart and you professed faith in Christ. You were added to the kingdom. Uh, the thief on the cross was not baptized, but he saw Jesus in the kingdom. So, what does baptism do? How does baptism add you to the body? Well, it's the sign that adds you to the earthly representation of the body, which is the local church. Right? First Corinthians is, is written not to some uh, amorphic universal church, but it's written to the local church in Corinth. So when it says you were baptized into the body, it's the sign, it's the symbolism of you being added to the kingdom of God. So baptism comes first because it's the sign of your conversion. And you're baptized then into the body, which is represented by church membership. Then the Holy Spirit keeps you. He keeps you in ongoing repentance. Right? He's working that in you. And so that is depicted by the Lord's Supper. Your life of ongoing repentance and anticipation for the return of Christ is depicted in the Lord's Supper. In 1 Corinthians eleven eighteen, as Paul is talking about communion, he says this ordinance happens, here's the text, when you come together as a church. Right? When you come together as a church. So it's something that the church does. And so to have a correct depiction here, you must be part of the church in order to take the Lord's Supper. To, to display that you are part of the church, you must have been baptized into the body of Christ, right, into the local church. So that's the symbolism, that's the progression of symbolism from baptism to church membership to the Lord's Supper. And they all tie together to display one glorious picture of what is spiritually happening in the believer. So in this church, I know that our children who have professed faith partake in communion. Now, are they considered members under our membership? Are they grandfathered into membership as our children, the the members of the church? Or is this a precedent that you're going to want to implement in this church? All right, so there are two things there. The first one is, it's, it's a membership question. Are the children grandfathered into membership? No, they're, they're not. This is, we're Baptists. We don't believe in covenant children. We don't see it in the scriptures because the body of Christ is a regenerate body. To add children to the body of Christ is to have a an unregenerate member of the body of Christ. That that makes no no theological sense. Now you said rightly that there are children in this local church here in Strasbourg who take communion and are not members of the local church. So let me read for you 1 Corinthians eleven twenty seven through twenty nine. Whoever therefore eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty concerning the body 
in the blood of the Lord. And here's the key part. Let a person examine himself then and so eat of the bread and drink of the cup. For anyone who eats and drinks without discerning the body eats and drinks judgment on himself. So what I do is explain that. I say examine yourself. I don't um, fence the table physically, as in go up there and pull people out of line. I explain, <laughs> here are the requirements. Uh, you must be a baptized believer, and then I let the person examine themselves to make sure they fit the description that is found in Scripture. So if a child comes up during communion, I'm not gonna, <laughs> I'm not gonna yank them out, right. like I said. But they should know that there's a, there's a command here that they will examine themselves to be sure that they're doing that. And if you're a parent of a child, then you should <laughs> aid them in that. You should instruct them in how to do this according to the command of Scripture. Nor would yeah. you fence the table off to a visitor. Right. You would explain right. to them yeah. the requirements. Yep. You have no way of knowing if, if they are a believer. You've exhorted them to, to right. examine themselves, yep. and then you're just trusting that the Lord is, is seeing I would go in and say, I agree with Stefan's sentiment here that a membership into the church is something that is taken very lightly. And I think mm -hmm. if we go and we observe culture right now, we can see the deterioration of the church and its role in culture. Therefore, the question we have to ask ourselves is how much of 66% of, of the church's youth leaving is the church and how much of that is on the family unit, the parents. And, and obviously as parents who are believers and even in this circle, fathers, we understand our role in our children's lives to point them to Christ. And so this is the example set forth in the word of God. So I agree with Stefan wholeheartedly that that's, that is critical to teach our children the importance of church membership. Back to the maturity question, I think that is something that every single one of us sitting at this table is going through the process of sanctification daily, right? And so understanding that our children are, wherever you are walking spiritually, they could be at the same level depending on the point of conversion, or you could be advanced many, many, many years. So I think it's I think that question does have to come into play, but I think that's also addressed with, we talked about the fence. We're not going to go pull people out of line. I have a child that meets the requirements with the exception of membership. I would say from a fruits perspective of her spiritual walk, that child is not at the same level as a couple of my others who profess belief. That is not me necessarily judging my child. It's just what I witness, I, what I see on a daily basis. I think what I'm getting at is the spirit of what Stefan is saying, I think is absolutely right. But I don't know that there's a right answer like, well, this is the this is the exact age or this is the, yeah. the level of understanding. Right, yeah. And so I do think that the local church's role is to put forth the instruction. And I would say that it's the role of the spiritual leader to guide them into that. I just want to say amen to that, and I appreciate Stefan's heart uh, as I was listening to him in his opening, The Ecclesiology and Your Children. And I appreciate so much the desire of Strasburg Baptist Church towards our children. As a teacher of, in Sunday school, I know my heart's desire when I sit before those kids every Sunday is that they would know Jesus and that they would be saved and they would walk in the commandments of God, following after the Lord with all their heart. It's, it's a tremendous blessing. And I, and, I, and I know, I can see, I can tell that parents 
are investing in their children as uh, young Timothy with his grandmother and his mother, Lois and Eunice. As a young child, he was open to the scriptures. And so I see that. Uh, and so we, we do want to see them come to faith and experience the ordinances, baptism, and communion, and membership. I say amen when I was listening to that, amen uh, to all of that. The question that I did have is the maturity, the fruit. Occasions we, we read of the Ethiopian eunuch, he believed and he, he was baptized. The Philippian jailer believed and baptized. Uh, Cornelius believed and all those who heard Peter preach were baptized. So their maturity in Christ is what I have a question about. And I think as parents, you're, you're not doing it to get a gold star. You're not doing this so your kid can go to the head of the class. You're doing what you do for their salvation. You are responsible for training them up in the nurture and the admonition of the Lord which is the gospel, which is salvation, which is the ordinance, which is, and I appreciate it, church membership, because by all means, we don't want these children, as I look at their faces, it almost brings me to tears to think that they would walk away, fall away from the church. And so I, I really do, I appreciate the emphasis on church membership, the maturity. I was listening to Alistair Begg this week, and he was reminiscing, telling a story about a Sunday school class, and this is in his first grade, Sunday school class, and he had met up with his Sunday school teacher later on, like 40 years later, and, and she remembered him, and he testified to her it was because of what you said in Sunday school that made me, compelled me to go home and ask my dad, how old do I have to be to trust Christ? Mm. So at a young age, the justification is there. God is sovereign and the doctrines of uh, election. And then seeing the eunuch and the jailer and Cornelius immediate upon belief was baptized. I don't know where that spiritual maturity was at that time. Yes, I believe. Yes, I'm a sinner. I need a savior. There's water. Baptize me. You know, you look at your, your tomato plants and you see that blossom and it's going to change into tomato. And you see the tomato it's not ripe yet, it's not full maturity yet, and it grows and it's maturing, but that fruit is there. <laughs> God is sovereign, and in His sovereign will, if that uh, child believes according to God's purposes and plans, that fruit that we see, uh, it may not be mature, but it's fruit. Mm -hmm. And so that's and what... I go back to the, it's a symptom of parents and the church, they do not emphasize the importance of church membership, mm -hmm. believers' bap you know, baptism. So I totally agree that that has to be part of Amen. upbringing. Mm -hmm. the, again, I believe I would still advocate that the, the maturity level, that can vary widely. And, and who knows more than the parent? You can see up close that fruit in their life to the best of your ability. Only God, God sees knows, the matter of the heart. Their heart. We can only see Absolutely. what is outside. Yeah. So to the best of your ability, you are seeing, and you're walking in your responsibility as a, as a father towards your children. Back to Micah's original point when he opened us up and opened this discussion is as someone who has grown up in the church, who has been surrounded by fellow saints my entire life, church membership was never something that I studied, mm -hmm. that, I, that I came to an understanding of till much later in my Christian walk. Mm -hmm. 
Um, in fact, I would say in the last decade. Amen. I'm right there with you. Yep. So, so it's it. I I do think that that's it's vital to the church. Yes, absolutely. The sooner you involve that in the the rearing of your children, probably the better. Yeah. Amen. We consider the maturity normally consider it the fruit. You know, we consider it that ripe. But no, that that little bud, that little that is the that is the beginning of. And I think to your point, to emphasize that is to bring that fruit to maturity. Mm-hmm. So to teach and disciple our, our young children who have believed in baptism, in the Lord's table, in membership, to disciple them in that. As we know in the parable of Jesus, there are seed that is sown that shoots up quickly and is choked out. So we have to be diligent when we look at the fruit of a believer that, that it's genuine. God knows whether or not a person is saved. He can see the heart, but we can't see the heart. So salvation is a two-party covenant, we can say. When you add in church membership, you're adding a third party in. You're adding the church. The church needs to see external fruit because we can't see the heart. That's why we need to guard the front door of the church with a church membership process. So we need to see that fruit. That mature. I use the word mature because it needs to be visible to the local church, the people in the local church who are going to be affirming that individual. By, by accepting them into membership, they are affirming their salvation. We're saying that we bear witness to your salvation. Um, and if we remove you from church membership, we're saying we can no longer bear witness. Right? We don't see that fruit in your life anymore. Mm. In fact, you are in unrepentant sin and we have to remove you from membership. Membership for the individual is an assurance of salvation for them. And we can't offer that unless we see the external fruit. If I could just ask you to clarify, you said membership for the individual is assurance mm. of salvation. Yeah. I don't disagree. I just want clarification on that. Yeah. Right. So we're told to work out our faith with fear and trembling because it is the Spirit who works in us. There are so many people who struggle with assurance, whether knowing mm-hmm. whether they are truly a believer. Well, take heart because if you are a church member, the body is telling you, we see the fruit. We believe that you are saved. We're not the ones saving you. That's the Holy Spirit. That's the work. That persevering work is the Holy Spirit. But we're saying we see the Holy Spirit at work in your life. And if you are in a rut of sin, then we will tell you. So it's not insurance. It's assurance. Right. Yep. Yes. We're not causing it. We're just affirming, affirming it. it. Yeah. yeah. Very good. I would also make the statement that church membership gives opportunity for fruit to be bared. Yeah. There's ministries in the church. You can serve in the church. There's definitely that opportunity. The local church is a tool in the hand of God God. who's working out your salvation. Yeah. Amen. I see this this fruit that we're talking about, as as Dan said, you're kind of looking at a child as a fruit that has begun. So you know that there's a tomato there and you nurture it and, and feed it and water it and watch it grow. I also see fruit, and, and I can see that. Uh, I think it's in Galatians that it talks about the fruit of the Spirit. And it all seems to be talking about our character, you know, patience and joy and kindness, things like that. But I also see, you know, where Jesus says he is the vine and we are the branch, and the branch that doesn't produce fruit will be cut off. So I see that as, as a branch producing fruit. So I kind of have a little different perspective on looking at fruit bearing within our children. It's not maturity, it's are they having the effect on others? Are they blessing others the way 
Christ demonstrated for us in his life, the way the, the apostles demonstrated for us, are they influencing others where you see that fruit? You see that they're, they're ministering to others, they're blessing others. That's why I see the church as being so vital because we're each gifted. When we receive the Holy Spirit, he brings a gift. When we unite our gifts, we're more effective at serving our Lord. When we see that within our children, then we can understand that they are ready to serve the Lord also. I think it's addictive. Once, once you start giving, you know, they say it's better to give than to receive. Once you start giving, it's very addictive. And I, I think that once a child understands that his life is not about him, it's about others. It's a, exactly what Jesus portrayed and that Paul says to live is Christ. It's this outpouring. And once the child starts to demonstrate that, that it, life's not about them. We know, because we're all fathers, that when that baby's born, it's all about them. When their toddler uh, it has a toy, if there's one toy, two toddlers, it's all about them. You see that, that self-focus. Mm -hmm. And then as, as they grow out of it, and I think that's what it means to train up your child in the way that they should go. You know, Jesus was the way. And they start to, to show that fruit of service. So we say, yeah, you need to be a part of us. Then when they go off to college, when they go off to be married, they go off to start their life, their career, whatever, that is the way that they've been trained to go, to serve. And they're going to look for that other fellowship that they can unite because they know that they're more effective that way. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's why, that's why I love to be a part of a, a group of believers, because I see the effectiveness yeah. mm -hmm. much greater than anyone out doing their John Wayne, you know, <laughs> the, the Lone Ranger <laughs> thing <laughs> on their own. Yeah. And so that's the fruit that I would be looking for in a child, is are, are they showing that maturity of being other-focused? Mm -hmm. I, I heard a, a beautiful story about a, a child, and they had the child, one of their children was the kind that in the lunchroom would look for that, that student that was sitting by themselves, and they would go to sit with them. That to me is showing fruit. Or he said that he overheard his child talking on the phone with this kid. And so after after they ended the conversation, he asked, who was that you were talking to? And they said, oh, it's this kid at school that nobody likes. And, and he, that kind of set him back. You know, why are you, why are you talking to, to them? Because nobody likes them. They need someone to talk to. That is the kind of fruit. I think that 66% that of the kids will step away because church can be easy believism. I think we've addressed that here. Once they're challenged, they'll look foolish when when someone comes in with a deeper argument that they can't address. But to love like Christ surpasses all of that. You can love someone that knows a lot more about the worldly ways than you do about the godly ways, but you can still see that they have a need for Christ because life is more than the few years that we walk this earth. That ties back into the last episode, finding your identity in Christ. Absolutely. I thought, I mean, yeah. Absolutely. Right. You know, I mean, so. It ties right into that. it. Exactly. Yeah. What was the term you used? Easy believism. Easy, Easy believism. believism. Yeah, I really liked that because I think that also ties into the youth group and the Sunday school mm -hmm. and things like that, giving them that. Walking the Roman road. Right, yeah. right. So, yeah, I agree. And I wanted to clarify that yes that is a fruit it's one of many right Absolutely. that we that we will see in our children as they mature so maturity is a fruit but also maturity is the trajectory right and we see these th these fruits the fruit of 
serving and of giving and of repentance and and all these things are different fruits that we'll see you know it's, it's not just one fruit right, right exactly yeah. and, and i would also go back to the 66 percent rate that that's spoken of i would also say that that rate of what will return that's that's all in god's hands you mm-hmm. know and oh, so absolutely. so we we yeah. that is a symptom of things of a fallen world of sin right but god's elect you know, sure. He holds, no, right. no, no matter yeah. what. I think that's another thing to remember because you know there are people that fall away from the church and mm-hmm. church membership and and their faith that do return. So we see that. Mm-hmm. Amen. In Proverbs uh, twenty-two verse six, it says, "To train up a child in the way he should go, and when he's old, he will not depart from it." Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so that training is vital to their character, to who they are. It's training in what life is all about. The other thing I would add to what Dwayne's saying is that training obviously starts at home, but it also continues in the church. Mm -hmm. It continues in the church body by other members of the church body. I look around this room and all of the men I'm looking at have a sphere of influence Mm -hmm. over the children that are in your lives, whether they're directly related to or not. And part of that is because we are in this body. Right. And uh, I think that just strengthens the argument in my mind. Mm-hmm. So, and that kind of goes back to what Dad was saying earlier, you know, and, and I have to echo to mirror that sentiment of just my, my gratitude and my uh, gratefulness for this church and for this church's desire to bring these children to not forget these children to not put them in a hmm. in a room and have Sunday school right. where they watch a movie oh, or something right. like that. I just I'm so incredibly grateful for that because I know that like you said these men here and that congregation that when we when we have a baby dedication it's not just something where you invite the in laws you get flowers at the end or whatever and everybody goes out to eat afterwards. No, it is it is a commitment that this church is making to, as a member, to the members, to include that child right. in that sphere of influence like you were talking about. And I'm, I'm just so grateful for that. Yeah, and you hit it out of the park in the beginning when you said that uh, so often churches will give the youth a sterilized version of church, a, a version of church that feeds into their mm. flesh more than their spirit, right? right? right, right yeah. And so when we, when we commit to training them up in the way that they should go, and when we commit to pointing them towards church membership when they are saved, when they are displaying that fruit, then we are giving them what Jesus has created the church to be, right? Mm-hmm. We're giving them a full overview of what the church is. You know, Lord willing, like we said, it, it all depends on God. He, he will have his elect. And so the church needs to be prepared to care for the elect in the way that we've been called to care for them. I mean, if someone is a believer, then they should be part of the church. The church is, as I said before, a tool in the hand of God mm-hmm. for sanctifying those who are His. If if a child came to you, Stefan, and mm-hmm. wanted to get married, you would you would question that. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Because of the, the seriousness of the commitment, mm-hmm. it's a solemn oath between yep. two people before God. You want them to, and even adults that would come to you, you would still want them to understand yep. the oath because you see that as an institution mm. ordained by God, yes. put into place by God, you need to understand. I cannot I cannot lead you through that ceremony and have you make such a covenant yeah. if you don't understand it, if you're not serious. The same way with baptism. Baptism is a serious covenant, mm-hmm. is an oath that you make to God. So you, you want them to understand the seriousness 
before yep. making that, before leading absolutely. them into that. Same way with, with the church membership. Yeah, absolutely. Mm -hmm. Well, baptism and church membership, I see, is being tied together. So that goes back to what I said about you're baptized into the body. So I think they're, they're conjoined. But then that goes back to something I said all the way back in my introduction, which is that I'm not truncating a church membership process. In fact, I'm advocating for a, a more rigorous church, yes. church membership process. Right. Right. Right? If a child comes to me and says, I want to get married, I would say that is a serious thing. And it takes a maturity to make that decision, and so I would suggest that you wait. Yeah, same thing with church membership. I would say until you can articulate the foundational truths of the gospel, you should wait. But when you can, then you shouldn't wait any longer. And that has no bearing on salvation, right. on no. partaking in communion, on no. baptism. Right. I right. Mean, that goes back to what I said. There's a two-party covenant and a three-party covenant, and the covenant that happens between God and the individual that is certain, mm -hmm. right? When God's changed their heart and they trust in Christ through faith, they are saved. Mm. Church membership isn't factored into that. When church membership does enter into the conversation as a picture of that, mm. that's when the third party comes in. And that's when the external fruit comes into the question. Yes. Consider this. When Joseph was 17, God started speaking to him through dreams. When David was 15, he was anointed as king by Samuel. Esther was predicted to be around 14 years old when she became the queen of Persia. Mm. Jeremiah was between 13 and 16 years old at the time of his call. Mary is believed to have been between 12 and 16 years old when she bore Jesus. Some of Jesus' own disciples could have been as young as 13 years old. Mm. If we see these pictures of young people obeying God, uh, wh why would we think that they can't do the same now? Mm. Amen. It's good. Yeah. I see the baptism, the reason you see these people wanting to be baptized right away is because baptism was the method of confession, mm -hmm. okay? Mm -hmm. I want to confess yes. mm. my allegiance to the Lord or mm -hmm. the, the Lordship of, of Christ over my life. Yeah. Mm -hmm. This is how you do yeah. it mm. because right. all throughout Scripture, God has, has so mercifully and lovingly given us like a child's picture book. Mm. You know, A is for apple. Mm. He gives us these illustrations. He gives us these examples, these foreshadows, so that we understand, to, to engage our understanding. And that's what the ordinance of baptism is. It's to engage our understanding is, do you know what you're saying? Yeah. Yeah. You are saying mm -hmm. death to yourself, count the cost, because it's death to yourself, life anew in Christ. Yeah. Mm. And yeah. so that's why I see these people that you're talking about so excited and anxious to be baptized because I want to make that profession. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And that's how you do it. Yeah. Mm. Yes, baptism implies a confession. And so you have to be prepared and able to make that confession. Mm -hmm. If we take 1 Corinthians as the normative process for baptism, being baptized into the body, we see that it is a confession and that it is connected with the local church. And it is also important to note that we do not see a child baptized in the New Testament. If, if, it's, a, if it's a package deal, then delaying that, certainly young children who need to mature and grow in faith before the fruit of repentance can be seen in these cases, but baptism, communion, and church membership waste. I think that that goes back to what I've said all along. Children see someone doing something. Amen. Mm. And so it, it's easy for children to say, well, little Sally was baptized. I want to be baptized. Mm -hmm. And not understand Absolutely. the meaning of that. Where Sally may have, little Sally may have fully understood that, mm -hmm. but Little Joe did it, it does yeah. not. 
And that's where I think as parents, your role is critical to guide them through that because it can very quickly, if you just freely allow that, turn into a works. I think I think that can go both ways. Mm-hmm. Well, I've been baptized, so I, I've got fire insurance. I'm golden. You right. know, mm-hmm. and, and right. you have to make that clarification and, and you have to you have to really understand that. And I think that's important. To the topic that Dwayne you were bringing about earlier of the fruits, being Christ-like, being selfless, being focused on others. Mm-hmm. I, I see that so much. I can see that in the children of our church. I can, mm-hmm. I can see that mm-hmm. there is fruit of it. Mm-hmm. I can see it a whole lot more because I'm closer to my grandchildren. You can, you can see that, and I would assume that as a parent, as a father, you would see that even more. But yet, to be able to articulate at the same level mm-hmm. that an adult would be able to articulate in a membership class, I don't know that that is possible. Yeah. So, I mean, you have that where there is a, a virtue in children. So you have Jesus saying in Luke eighteen sixteen, do not hinder them for to such belongs the kingdom of God, right? That's speaking of a childlike faith. Mm. And yet there's, a, there's something different, which is the fruit of repentance. It's that mature fruit that I was talking about in the introduction. Oh, how these dark days come and never cease. But your gospel is the light that gives us eyes to see. For your word lights the path before our feet. Oh, how your steadfast promises are only plea. We long for the day when we see you face to face. Oh Lord, don't delay. Oh, how these doubts rush like raging torrents. But you keep us from drowning because your grace never relents. Every morning your mercies are new. You are confident. Your love is vividly seen on the cross So we stand with assurance And we long for the day When we see you face to face Oh Lord, don't delay Maranatha We cry, oh Lord, come Long for your embrace to sing your endless praise. It is finished. You have won the war. Our debts have all been paid. There's victory over the grave. You are risen. You are reigning. Your How inadequate we feel by sin's discouragement But we trust we're forgiven Cause your spirit you have sensed He's been poured out within our hearts To 
steal our inheritance We have peace that we will live forever in your presence And we long for the day When we see you face to face Oh Lord, don't delay Maranatha We cry, oh Lord, come We long for your embrace To sing your endless praise It is finished You have won the war Our debts have all been paid There's victory o'er the grave You have by your blood to everlasting love you have risen you are reigning and you're returning oh Lord come you have risen you are reigning 